0: Welcome to Liberty FM, the podcast dedicated to all things New York Liberty. I'm Felicia, and I'm joined by my co host and husband, Francois. This is episode 13, recapping the games the New York Liberty played this week against the Chicago Sky and the Indiana Fever. The Libs are also coming off an incredible performance last Sunday with a win against the Las Vegas Aces. And even more notable, with losses by the Atlanta Dream and Minnesota Lynx, the Liberty clinch a spot in the playoffs. Huge congrats to the team. Francois, what are we seeing in the Liberty?
1: Well, we're seeing great things from the Liberty. And to be honest, I don't think anybody is shocked to hear that the Liberty has clinched a, a playoff spot, but it's more like the way they've been playing lately. Um, And also, it's a nice way to see the growth of the team. Uh, I know uh, Justin Willoughby mentioned the fact that the past two seasons, the Liberty have kind of, you know, struggled to get that playoff spot, playing all the way up until the end of the season to get that spot. Whereas now, like, you know, there's like, well, 10 games left now and we already have a spot. So, you know, not surprising. But definitely what has been really encouraging is the way the team has been playing. So I think what I was really looking for this week uh, was a confirmation of the the level that the Liberty uh, are at right now. Because obviously everybody got excited uh, for that win against the Aces. And it's funny because like, even some of our friends who kind of follow basketball, they were asking us and telling us about that Aces game. So it seems like a lot of people got excited by 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 this incredible win, but what does it do if you lose after that against mm-hmm. uh, the Sky or the Indiana Fever? It's almost like, well, what's the point? Or were you choosing your game and then, like, you sort of like relax after that? So those were like sort of the things that I was looking for. And let's not forget Felicia, that the New York Liberty uh, on June fourth, which was the last time we faced the Chicago Sky, they created the upset by beating us at home um, with, you know, coming back from a 19-point deficit. So I was definitely looking forward to that matchup to see how how much growth we've seen from the team. And uh, do you think that they responded and you've seen growth uh, since that? That last game against the Sky?
0: Oh, definitely. I think, you know, after the All-Star break, the Liberty have just started clicking on all cylinders. You know, I think they've come together as a team. I think who they were on June 4th is not who they were this past Friday. And so I think that's great for the team that they're finally gelling. Things are, are... just coming together for them. John Cole Jones is yeah. a beast in the paint. Oof. You know, I mean, defensively offensive, you know, I think they're feeding her more, which is great. Yeah. So you see all her numbers going up. Her confidence is, is shooting through the roof right now. So, you know, which is great for the team, because as we were saying in previous podcasts, it's like you got to feed her more. And, yeah. you know, now that, you know, since the All-Star break, you can just see a complete difference or just maybe just the growth, you know, it just need, maybe they just needed that time to really gel together. John Qual needed time coming off of her injury just to get back to her level. And she's doing that right now. So, you know, all in all, I think this game was just important for them to really show who they were just to themselves, not so much to the Chicago sky, but just to know like things are clicking for them.
1: Yeah, definitely, and so let's let's dive into the game against the Chicago Sky that was played uh, last Friday. And uh, the first quarter was very interesting. It was like very high tempo, both teams scoring. And at first, I was a little bit worried because uh, Mabry uh, oh, yeah. was starting to go, you know, go crazy on on us, and uh, obviously like. You know, Sabrina, UNESCO was defending on Maybri, so mm-hmm. you know you always wonder if um, you know they're targeting her or anything. And you know she started very quickly with with nine points, mm-hmm. but I think like you know, even though obviously Sabrina is is not the greatest defender just yet, and she was targeted by you know some of the great guards of the league, she's starting to get better though because oh, like even. Uh, I don't think we mentioned in the in the last podcast um, about, you know, that game against the Aces, but, you know, like she hold a, a ground against like, you know, Kelsey Plum, you know, I mean, I know Chelsea uh, Benajalini was, uh, you know, for the most part defending on Chelsea Gray, but it was Jackie Young and, um, and Kelsey Plum. And, you know, you've seen the growth of, of Sabrina. It's yeah. not perfect yet. But, you know, you see the growth and to be fair, like uh, Mabry scored like nine points in the first quarter. But you look overall um, at the end of the game, she only scored 12 points uh, overall. So you saw that, you know, throughout the game, um, you know, uh, Sabrina was learning. And what was very interesting uh, when she was asked uh, after the game. She said that, you know, it's it's about team defense, like we're not going to stop a player one-on-one and anytime we play good defense and we on the string, it makes it really hard for their best players defensively. Mm-hmm. So I think like that's the thing also that I've noticed with the Liberty, like in terms of growth, is how they defend as a team mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well if you pass Sabrina, you got JJ waiting in the paint yeah, yeah. to kind of make it hard for you to, you know, take that shot. And then after a little while, Sabrina also gets better and and is able to, like, you know, stay close to uh, Mabry or whoever she's defending on. So, you know, I, w- I was very pleased after a tough first quarter of Mabry how, like, the Liberty were able to adjust.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think for Sabrina... You know, I think last year, and even the first part of this year, you'd see teams tend to to pick on her yeah. more defensively. And, you know, she seemed or appeared to be, I guess, in their minds, maybe the weak link. But I think for Sabrina, she's definitely improved in a great way this season. And she's only going to get better. You mm. know, you could tell just how determined she is to, to do well. And I think... You know, defensively, you know, she's going to get stops too. You can tell just even if she makes a mistake during one part of the game, she's going to come right back. She's going to make the adjustments. And I think last year, year previous, that wasn't really the case. And so, you know, for her this year, it's a real improvement. And I think, yeah, you saw that definitely against the Aces as she was pumped up (laughs) for that game because I think in their, their last meeting, they definitely picked on her. And so I just think overall that yeah it is going to be a team defense you know and it's true if you get by sabrina you not only have jj you also have stewie who can definitely block some shots so you know once you are all in it together and you buy in together you're definitely a force and you can see that the liberty are doing that um definitely in the second half of the season
1: yeah and uh yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's it's very encouraging to see all that because, obviously, in the first part of the season, we were getting a bit frustrated. Um, and everybody, obviously, was talking about, you know, the aces, how dominant they are, how great they're playing. But, like, you realize that now, the liberties slowly but surely are getting there. And I cannot recall the, the number of times that Like we shut the Chicago Sky down on defense, and there was like twenty-four, you know, second violations, a lot of Mm -hmm. turnovers. Some that were like, you know, silly mistakes, but a lot of the times was due to the pressure Mm -hmm. that the Liberty were putting on on the Sky players. And I remember vividly, like when we played against them the last time when they made that comeback. You had Courtney Williams going off. You had Kalia Copper going off. Mabry as well, and, uh, you know, Courtney Williams had a, you know, good game. She had a double-double with 10 rebounds uh, and 10 points, and she scored a a usual, you know, mid-range jumpers. But what I was really pleased is how they locked down uh, Kalia Copper. Now, she had some foul troubles, but she definitely, like, didn't play a usual game, and I cannot help but think that it was mostly due to the Liberty's defense. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Mabry only scored three points uh, after, you know, scoring nine in the first. So, tremendous job, like, defensively. And, and that's going to be the key. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you look back at the the game against the Aces. Like, yes, you could argue that they were on fire scoring from all cylinders. But, you know, they, they allow only 61 points, uh, you know, for the, the Aces to score only 61 points. So that's 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 very encouraging because you know a lot of people say that defense wins games or defense wins championships, and they're gonna have to do the job on, on defense to you know to to maybe have a chance for the title. And recently it was very interesting because uh, Brandello was also saying that she challenged the players to go back to you know the basics or what they want to achieve defensively because she felt during that road trip, especially the games against the Sparks, that you know, they were sort of lacking a little bit defensively, even though their offense was the numbers were going up. Defensively she wasn't too pleased with how they were defending. And so I like the fact that she challenged them and they responded to that challenge mm-hmm. and, and and locked the sky. Um, and you never really felt that even though there were a couple of times where the sky was sort of coming back, you know, they were like back to four, six points and stuff like that. You never really felt like the, the, the liberty in, in danger in that game and and when you have players like Stewie who started going mm-hmm. off in the second half and then Sabrina with the freeze, Jocko Jones also scoring freeze, uh, you, you kinda feel comfortable with, you know, getting the win. And can we talk about Sabrina Ionescu and her freeze now? Because uh, she's slowly but surely getting closer to Diana Torres's, uh free-point record. So her record is she scored 121 uh, frees. Uh, I can't recall exactly which season. It might have been in 2014, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But she scored 121 frees uh, in 34 games. So obviously, there's, there's more games uh, this season than prior season. So Sabrina will, will have a lot of chances... Um, to to beat that record, but she's getting close. You know, to get that in the same number of games, and it's 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 getting really incredible. I mean, I'm running out of words, but it's like she definitely a lot of she sh- she shoots like about uh, eight or or freeze per games, mm-hmm. and probably get around four per games, yeah. um, and sometimes way beyond the the nba three-point line i would say at times
0: yeah definitely i mean she is a sniper from three (laughs) and so you just got to respect that and she can shoot it from anywhere and way beyond the three-point line you know that she practices this you know this is a focus um but i think for her you you just got to you just got to applaud her, tip your hat to her that, you know, this season she may very well break the record. You know, after this game against the Sky, she was uh at 99 threes at that point. So, kudos to her and you know, she's only going to get better from here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So, and and also what I'd like to say, although I'm obviously we are so impressed with the threes, but I'm just happy to even see her having some mid-range a different way to get to the basket when she goes on the inside, I think is really great for her. I can just see that if she just keeps doing that part, if she can really develop her inside game, mid range shots, she is definitely a powerhouse. She's gonna be somebody that you are definitely gonna fear on the basketball court.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, you mentioned it a few times that you wish that she kind of developed a mid-range shot. And also, sometimes, I think we mentioned how sometimes we were getting frustrated with the way she attacks the basket because mm-hmm. she would often, like, be a little naive in the way she yeah, gets to the get, basket. Yeah, she get blocked off. Get blocked by, you know, like, the, the centers of, of the teams that they're facing. But, like, now, she's really starting to, yeah. like, you know, um, be tough to beat when she attacks the basket mm-hmm. or when she has those mid-range shots. But I notice uh as well that the Liberty are also the way they're attacking and moving. They also uh, you know help Sabrina, you know, to create space. Cause when you have JJ um at the free-point line, you cannot ignore her because she mm-hmm. can score a freeze. You got Benaja in another corner. So like with JJ, you know, being at the free-point line, she creates that space on the inside because the whoever guards JJ has to guide her at the three-point line. So that create a bit of space. Um, and then obviously, if you have Stewie uh, setting a screen or, you know, Dawson, um, you know, you give plenty of opportunity for Sabrina to, you know, score or to not get blocked. And I think, you know, we know that she doesn't necessarily have the the fastest first step, mm-hmm. but she's strong though. Like yeah, she, she can hold the sure. ground and, and, like, when I was re some of the clips that I got from the, the Las Vegas uh, Aces game, I mean, you have, like, Jackie Young, who's one of the best defenders of the league. She couldn't stop Sabrina. Uh, you had uh, Kia Stokes that couldn't really help because, you know, she was sort of, you know, looking at uh, JJ. And then there was against the Sky on Friday... Uh, obviously, you have to respect Sabrina's three point shot, obviously. Yes, yes. And she had that crazy play where she like faked the free. And uh, I think it was Elizabeth Williams that like jumped because she <laughs> thought Sabrina was gonna <laughs> take the free. She then started to drive towards the basket and then had a no look pass for like uh, Benaja in the corner for mm-hmm. a free. And, and she made that free, and the crowd went, went crazy. So it's like she's like you know, expanding a game. She's not just like a three-point shooter. Yeah. Uh, You know, obviously now everybody has to respect her three-point shot, but she's starting to add a couple of things to her game that is going to make her more dangerous and make her game grow and, and you know, shut down some of the haters as well that yeah. always have something to say about Sabrina. So I was, I was definitely pleased with that. And
0: I think it's unexpected. You know, I think for some of these games... We're just seeing this from Sabrina, too. So you're seeing it more. You know, she may have a couple of shots, you know, going to the paint per game, but now she's really doing it a lot more, you know. And so I think it's taking some teams by surprise, Mm. you know, that she's doing this and she's being so aggressive and she's switching it up. And so I think it's great for her, great for the team. I also just want to mention for Dolson coming back, Steph Dolson coming back. It's just great to have her back. I know it's going to take some time or maybe a little bit of time for her to kind of just get her legs back under her um, being back on the court. But she's going to be a great presence, you know, um, coming in for JJ or playing with Stewie and setting screens and doing what she does, shooting threes as well. She can also be a threat from the three-point line. And so, you know, it's just great to kind of have that, rotation back and and just seeing everyone just fall seeing everything fall into place so this was a great game for the liberty just huge congrats to them
1: yeah and so in the end they ended up winning that game 89 to 73 they took care of business and we couldn't have been more happier and with that win they uh were going on the five game winning streak which was i think the the best winning uh, streak of the of the season for the Liberty, so some consistency uh, from mm-hmm. them, uh, which is much appreciated. Uh, before we uh, move on to uh, the next game uh, against Indiana, I gotta mention also the the atmosphere um, in the stadium. I know that you know this you know set of records against the Aces for mm-hmm. the biggest attendance at the Barclays for a women's game and for the New York Liberty. And what was interesting was that. You know, Stewie after the game said that, you know, this is the standard now. You know, we expect you to <laughs> to come, you know, and support every yeah. game. But, you know, obviously we know that, you know, it was the best team in the league coming. And, and a lot of people love the aces or want to watch the aces. So you knew that there was going to be a lot of people uh, and probably less against the sky. But I think what the Liberty have done really well those past couple of seasons is to have those theme nights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last Friday was... Uh, the 50th anniversary of hip hop, mm-hmm. and so at the same time as that game, there was you know a great concert at the Yankee Stadium with a lot of legends of the of the rap game, but we had MC Lights uh, yep. performing and Rhapsody as well after the uh, MC Light perform at halftime, and also after the game with Rhapsody, and so I really like the fact that they used you know that anniversary. Uh, to celebrate female rappers and to try to you know bring you know people to to the stadium uh, not just for the liberty but also for the guests that they were going to have and so you know obviously you know there's a mixture in terms of the crowd you know of you yeah. know uh, you know all generations newer generations so you could tell sometimes that some people didn't necessarily uh, knew the uh, MC light songs but it just brings some excitement, and uh, I don't know. I just love the, the atmosphere uh, that we had on, on that day. Uh, we had about a little over 8,000 uh, fans, uh, which is great for a weekday game. Um, so I want to see more of that and, and more fans coming. But I do feel like the Liberty are doing a great job to try to you know encourage more and more people to, to support the team.
0: Yeah, and you'll see it grow for sure, especially now that they have clinched a playoff spot. You know, you're definitely going to see more people come into the games and especially for the playoffs. Hopefully we'll we'll see more people at that point, too. I think just what they're doing at Barclays and for the team, I think overall, it's just been a really great season for the Liberty. Just the engagement um, with the fans and the the various guests that, you know, that are out. You know, I think it's just been really great atmosphere. Uh, for the Liberty this year, and that's wonderful because even for us being just basketball fans, not just WNBA but the NBA, when we even see, well, even when we go to Nets games, it's like yeah, it's a great game. But I just feel like going to a Liberty game, you just have so much more fun, and it's just you just had they. There's just so much from the timeless torches to Torch Patrol to Ellie to yeah. the little torches. I mean, they just have so. Much and so it's always a great time and so I think you know the more fans that show up and watching some incredible athletes put on a show yeah. you know so it, it it's really great um, for the Liberty and yeah I want to see it continue and watch it grow and hopefully we can keep. The second level open not yeah, just for big games, yeah, you know. They opened it up for the aces this year. They opened it up for, for Phoenix, Phoenix when for Brittany Greiner. when Brittany Griner was there, and so yeah, it'd be good to start seeing the second level open up, you know, more often than just yeah. like the big game. So
1: and and you gotta put things in perspective because I remember before the season uh, we got to watch the the documentary Unfinished Business that was, you know, doing a parallel between uh, the first New York Liberty team uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s that, you know, had sold-out crowds at the Madison Square Garden, 17 mm-hmm. or 18,000 fans. And then after that, you know, when the WNB started to, you know, lose a bit of fans and the Knicks owner uh, losing interest in the team and sending them away. And then, you know, we have, you know, uh joe sai and clara who's side that you know bought the team as well as the nets and it's like the first year where you get excited about the liberty playing in Brooklyn then the pandemic happens and they play in the bubble and then the season after uh that's when we started like going to see the games new york had a, a lot of like yeah, you know, COVID I think, restrictions.
0: I think only, like, 2,500 people could be at the game at that point. It you was know, really yeah, low and number. and then you had to know. spread out the
1: fans. So, I remember mm-hmm. it's, like, I think we went to, like, maybe six or seven games that season. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, kind of weird, like, because we were all spread out. The, the atmosphere was good regardless, but yeah. it's hard to build, a, you know, a fan base again when you have so many restrictions and, you know, different variants coming and stuff. So, it wasn't easy. Uh, this And you had a young team uh, figuring things out. So, you know, and then last year, we saw that throughout the season, you know, more and more fans were coming. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the atmosphere that we had at the, in the playoff against the Chicago Sky, even though it was just one game, uh, was great. And then now, like, the fact that we had eleven thousand over eleven thousands against the Aces and we're starting to have on average, like, maybe 7 or eight thousands, um, that that is great. And also the fan base as well. Like, I got to give some shout-outs before uh, we uh, move on to the next game. Got to give a shout outs to uh, uh, New York Liberty Fan TV, uh, who uh, also started, a, you know, a video podcast about the, the New York Liberty and just... His excitement to, you know, share his love for the the women's game and the New York Liberty, and, you know, we, we see him going to the games with his daughter or, two, uh, uh, you know, asking questions to fans and before the game, like, just the, the excitement he brings as well. Uh, Woman Hoops as well, who's uh, another account on Instagram that, you know, generally talks about the WNBA, but often also goes to uh, Liberty games and ask questions to fans, take video, exciting videos. We got the, the Seafoam Army, the, the, <laughs> the Liberty guys, you know, who decided this year to, you know, come to all the games,
0: dressed. I know, they I made it in the videos now. And I now, now, you know, you know, yeah. you see them
1: in, in some of the promotional videos, yeah. or the, the pre-game videos, and it's really exciting, and you see them as well, like, how they pump up the crowd section mm-hmm. one and section 31 to have that fan base a little bit like soccer games. When you have like, you know, fans that are solely dedicated to just bring atmosphere to the stadium, right. um, you know, kudos to, uh, to uh, all of them. And then you have like, you know, influencers of the WNBA, uh, like Christina Williams, uh, Leah Funcho. I-, I hope I didn't uh, mispronounce her name who, also, bring the behind the scenes and, and their analysis and their love for the game. Um, you know, we got great journalists as well Jackie Powell, uh, Miles Herlish, uh Pepper Pesley. So, we got a lot of great people, yeah. um, you know. Uh, Black Ro- Rosie Media as well. Don't want to forget about them with the Gotta Get Up podcast. So I felt like I wanted to sh- give a shout out to all those people that love the Liberty and just like continue to you know, make the fan base grow. And I really hope, like you said, Felicia shout out. We get those 200 sections open up every single game and that we get close to what the Liberty used to have uh, at the Medicine Square Garden. Because with the team that we have... And the yeah. fans we have in New York, there's no reason why we cannot achieve that that goal, uh, in the near future. So, I I do know. I just felt like I, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to all those people because they also been supporting us with the podcast and giving us great feedback and encouragement to to continue what we're doing. So, uh, you know, big shout out to you guys. And uh, all right, now let's move on to the. Indiana Fever game that was played uh, this past Sunday. And uh, the first quarter, that was like a very high-tempo game. I felt like the both teams, the Liberty and the Indiana Fever, were going back and forth on offense. So it was like, you know, a lot of points in that first quarter. But I was a little bit worried because, you know, it felt like, you know, the, the stars of the Indiana Fever team were kind of getting the shots they wanted. Uh, Kelsey Mitchell was getting on fire, as she normally does against the Liberty, <laughs> yeah. especially in the first quarter. Leah Boston, who, you know, had a little, you know, sort of rookie slump in the, in the months of July. He's not, now back to her regular standards. And, well, she was dominating on the inside, whether it was JJ or, or, or Stewie. And then you also had her- uh, Erica Wheeler as well, who's now seems to be the, the point guard now for the, the Fever. And she was scoring a lot of points. So, I was a little bit worried about the fact that the Liberty were allowing the the fever to, to score that many points. And even though we, we were not, you know, falling too much behind, it was a little a little concerning. But this is why we got, you know, how should I say, superstars, MVPs potential uh, with Brianna Stewart. Because I felt like she started to build us out a little bit.
0: That, I mean... What can you say about Stewie? (laughs) I mean, she scored 14 points in the first quarter. So that's pretty much all you need to know about how this game was going (laughs) to go once she got on fire. And yeah, you know, Stewie in that first quarter really kept the Liberty in the game. It was definitely fast paced. I would say defense on both sides of the ball. They weren't really that great. I think it was just the offense and the aggressiveness on both sides. For both teams, you could mm. tell that was going on in the first quarter, and defense needed to pick up on both sides. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so with Stewie having 14 points, and also with the help of Vandersloot, who had 10 assists in, by halftime, seven of which, those passes went to Stewie. And just watching that connection, those two on the floor, it's just, it's truly magical because I think we were saying, we were like, I think Sloot can find Stewie blindfolded. Yeah, on yeah. The floor. yeah,
1: that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sometimes I almost feel like, okay, uh, Sloot, like, try to play with your other teammates. And she does, obviously, but I think because vander Sloot and, and Brianna Stewart play together uh, in Europe and, and mm-hmm. in Russia and in Turkey, uh, and, you know, Vander Sloot, like, one of the big reasons why she wanted to come to Liberty was also to be able to play with Stewie again, mm-hmm. uh, but this time in the WNBA. So I feel like this connection is there, uh, you know, as fans would definitely benefit from it. But it's like, yeah, like, they could just find each other anytime any time. And, uh, yeah, like, Stewie's, like, cooking. Um, and that's when you see, like, great players. Because... Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we always say, oh, who's a superstar in the WNBA, and the NBA, and who's, what's the difference between a star and a superstar, and blah, 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 but, like, after the game, like, you know, they were asking her about, you know, um, you know, the shots that she was making, like, and how she was able to score so many points against the Fever. And she was saying, like, basically the Fever were, you know kept on switching on, and on every uh, defensive play. And she was able to kind of analyze them as they were playing yeah. and be able to find, uh, you know, favorable matchups or how she was going to score against them. And that's, that's a sign of, of great players. Like, they're able to read the game, like, ahead of everybody else. And, you know, the game goes so quick. Like, yeah. you know, we got a chance, you know, for, you know, one or two games to be very close to the court. I don't think people realize the difference between watching a game on TV <laughs> and being close to the court. It goes it's like, very different. It's like four or five times faster than what you can imagine. So for a player to, it's almost like, I don't know, the flash, you know, that I see things in advance because, you know, they're so quick. Well, it's the same with Stuie. Like she kind of see things ahead of everybody and kind of process, despite the speed of the game, process in a way where she kind of decides within a split second what she's going to do. And uh, it was it was amazing. I mean, I think she had like thirty points by halftime. Yep. You know, it was like close to the standards that she set in some of the previous games this season like including the, the first home game where she scored 45 points so it was it was great to see that uh, but we were only up by 7 points at mm-hmm. halftime despite 30 points from, from Stewie so I was really hoping that the other players would, would stop up in the in the second half because as, as much it is fun to watch Stewie score in, in every corner mm-hmm. you kind of want all the players to be involved and and in that third quarter, I think things started to click. Like, you know, they play with more ball movement. Uh, everybody was involved. Benaja started scoring a little bit. drunko Jones was starting to dominate on the inside. Um, it, it was really beautiful to watch, and that's when I think we started to take a big lead in, in that game.
0: Yeah, you know, for the Liberty, you know, they are an offensive powerhouse. There's no question about that, especially with Brianna Stewart going off in the first half with 30 points. And so but the one thing you saw was that even though they're this offensive powerhouse, just like the coach was telling them, they have to really lock in defensively and they can't let that slip. you know, um, obviously, the points are gonna come, you know if they're shooting well, But defensively they definitely have to stay locked in. That communication has to be crisp so that teams don't go on these sort of runs. And you know, again, you know, the game is gonna go back and forth. You know, the Indiana fever, no matter what where their position may be, you know, in the standings, they're still a tough team. They're a young team and they're hungry. And they really and with Aaliyah Boston, she is as you can see, her rookie season, she is going to be a force to be recognized. She, she already is, she but <laughs> she going to be a problem, you know, as the years go by. She's definitely going to be that player. So, you know, they're hungry, and they're not just, you know, just because it's the Liberty or any other team, they're just not going to lay down and just be run over by any team in this league. So they're going to play fast. They're going to play hard, and that's what they were doing. And so the Liberty had to make – the necessary adjustments. And they did that in the second half. And Stewie still had the hot hands. She may not have scored, you know, 30 points in the second half, but, you know, she got, you know, she got to 42 points overall. Um, But yeah, once they started clicking in the third quarter and they grew their lead by 18, which was great, but they still had you know some issues on defense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their problem with Smith on the dribble. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, um, it's it's crazy to think that you know, like before this game, that the Indiana Fever are the bottom team in the league. Yeah, because like the way they play, like you don't feel like they're like the worst team in the league. Because it's like when you compared to the NBA, when you look at some of the bottom teams, they're really bad. And you know they're tanking to get that number one uh, draft pick. But I feel like in the WNBA, you can't really say that any team is really tanking or is really, really bad. Or that, oh, oh, I'm going to face this team. I'm going to have an easy game tonight. No, you got to come and play, regardless of the standings. And so, you know, for the Fever, I feel like, They've had so many close games this season and so many games that they lost by a couple of points or mm-hmm. overtimes. And and that's when you see the, the lack of experience. But the talent is definitely there. And like you said, uh, Nalisa Smith, who, you know, I think it was only a second or third game back after a foot injury. Um, she was still, I think, on, on a minute's restrictions. But in a way, it was a good thing for us because <laughs> when she was on the court, she was she was cooking. And I, I think even at some point, Brandello, they were... Um, you know, they had a timeout, and I think with the ESPN broadcast, like, they made us hear the, the timeout. And, you know, Brandello mentioned she's like, she's like Smith on the dribble. Uh, <laughs> she didn't want her to get the ball on the inside and play a game, start dribbling, and because I felt like there were a couple of times Tui was really, like, defending well on her, raising her arms, trying yeah. not foul, trying to make it difficult for her to take that shot, but she was still making them. Um, and so Melissa Smith was starting getting, you know, confident and making shots. Slowly but surely, just like the last game, <laughs> who's nightmarish in that fourth quarter the last time uh, the Liberty play against the Indiana Fever in Indiana. Um, you know, the Fever started making a little comeback. I mean, they were down by seventeen, I think, or eighteen. And then slowly but surely, ten points, eight points, kind of you know bouncing around between six and nine. So I was kind of like, oh please don't, don't make it a game like last time. (laughs) You had the rookie Berger as well, who had like you know nice shots and nice defense. The Liberty were not really like making their free throws at some point. Yeah. Um, And also like that's when you notice like you know. I mean, we're happy to see uh, Dawson back on the team, adding some experience uh, for coming from the bench. She's obviously, you know, reading the game really well, setting good screens for a teammates. She can shoot freeze. But clearly at the moment, I mean, she's been out for, like, over a month with a bad ankle injury. So you could tell she's not in shape just yet. Right. Um, and when she was on the court, you could tell the difference. You could tell yeah. that JJ was not there because... JJ was uh, on the plus minus, like plus 17, um, you know, when she went on the bench, I think, end of the third or beginning of the fourth. And that's when the the fever made the comeback. Because, like, there were so many times where JJ was sort of like deflecting the ball on the rebound to help the Liberty gain another possession. She was good on defense, she was scoring on the inside when the Liberty needed to. Um, So clearly you could tell the difference When JJ was not there But she came back Like Brundle I think Kind of felt that I need to bring her back And then you know I think the Liberty now They don't let themselves Kind of get overwhelmed By uh, the other team making a comeback They're able now to sort of Control the tempo And to be fair on that one uh, Benajalini kind of bailed us out On on that crazy corner free At a moment where the Liberty I felt, were sort of running the clock but at the same time not really knowing what to do uh, and then just give the board uh, Benajah in the corner that made the free that gave us like a 9 point lead and at that time it was pretty much over you know they tried to foul and you know try to you know make us miss free throws but overall we were in control and you know we won the game. I would say comfortably, even though it didn't always feel like that. But mm-hmm. we won by eleven hundred to eighty nine. Uh that was the last time. Uh, we were facing the Indiana Fever. Uh, we uh, we swept them four uh wins. Not always easy wins, but we swept them. I don't think we're gonna face them in the in the playoff uh, unless uh, you know they're making a comeback and a push for the playoff, but. Uh, We took care of business, and and I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the Liberty, and I I just think with the Fever, it's just a hungry team. And so, you know, for the Liberty, we know that they're clicking on all cylinders, but there's still some things they got to tighten up, especially just locking in on defense and not letting teams. I think sometimes we've seen the Liberty do that throughout the season. They get a lead. They kind of take their foot off the gas. Teams come back. They got to get back in it. And so I think for the Liberty, they just got to keep their foot on the gas. And that's something that they just got to remember, you know, in closing out games that, you know, these teams they are going to, they're still going to play hard and come hard. And so you can't just, even if you have a 10 point, 15 point lead, somebody starts shooting threes. (laughs) That lead is going to get cut into very quickly. And so, you know, at least, yes, I'm happy they got the win. Um, but, yeah, still a couple of things that, you know, they can tighten up on for the upcoming games. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how this week goes for them.
1: Yeah, but, like, I want to take a little moment as well to look at some some stats because all season long we've been praising the Las Vegas Aces, the most dominant team uh, this season, and on course to be one of the do- most dominant teams in the history of the WNBA but lately, if you look at the way the Liberty have been playing and the stats, mm-hmm. they're on course to break records as well. So with that win against the Fever, uh, now the Liberty uh, broke their record for the for the most wins uh, in the history of the New York Liberty in the regular seasons with 24 wins. Uh, you know, the record was 23. Uh, in the last three games, the Liberty have had... 28 assists against a- the Aces, 28 assists against the Chicago Sky, and then, um, you know, the Indiana Fever game, 32 assists, and they Ooh. tied the WNBA regular season record for a total of assists over a free game span uh, that was set by the uh, the Seattle Storms uh, last year. And then another stats that you could also add, um, you know, I got it from uh, Miles Ehrlich, was that Heading into the uh, Commissioners' Cup Final uh, this Tuesday, if you listen to the podcast, um, you know the New York Liberty starting lineup of Courtney Vandersloot, Sabrina Ionescu, Bernard Jalini, Brianna Stewart, and John Cole Jones has an offensive rating of 119.3 through 27 contests, marking the best offensive rating in in WNBA history of any five player lineup to play a minimum of 300 minutes. And another interesting stats and in comparisons was that in retrospect, the team's 119.3 offensive rating is currently better than the starting lineup of the Golden State Warriors of the 2020 2015-2016 uh, season where they broke the record for the most wins in the regular seasons with 73 wins. And they had an offensive rating of 118.3. How crazy is that? All those stats. I mean, I know it's a little bit overwhelming, but that just like tells you the level that the Liberty are playing right now. And slowly but surely, we're catching up on the aces. We might not obviously get the, the number one uh, spot in the league by the end of the season, But we're definitely more hopeful that we can sort of play toe-to-toe with the Aces.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, in the first part of the season, I was a bit nervous. You know, everyone talking about the super team and the Liberty and the Aces. And in my mind, I kept thinking, well, the Aces have been playing together for a while now. And so I just always felt like they're a well-oiled machine over there. You know, they won the championship they take no prisoners at home you know As so far they haven't lost at home so you know for the aces i was a little nervous for the liberty especially when they played them that first game i was like i don't know about this one (laughs) this might be tough they they got some growing to do before we get before they get to that level like the aces but After the All-Star break again, I just felt like everything just started clicking for them. And with Jonquil Jones, you know, just stepping up and just being more confident. And you just see her on the court now. I mean, Stewie has been Stewie all season. So, you know, but even Sabrina, has sort; she's upped her game. I think everyone has contributed and everyone is definitely stepping up. And so now I do feel like I could totally see... Aces and Liberty Final. For sure. And I do feel like it could come down to the wire. I do feel like this would be a grudge match. And it would... You know, yeah, the Liberty blew them out last week. But I do feel like in in the next couple of games, we may see some tighter games going on here. And, you know, I I would think whichever team won, they're not going to win by much.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to face... Uh, you know, this coming week, or if, you know, you listen to the podcast, it's going to happen this week. uh, Two important games against the Las Vegas Aces. So, on Tuesday, the Commissioner's Cup final. uh, First Commissioner's Cup final for uh, the New York Liberty. Obviously, uh, the potential to earn a lot of money for Mm -hmm. players and also for charities. So, it's not for nothing. And obviously, with the last game, uh, you know game being by 38 points, I'm sure the Aces uh, will want to show up and show out and and sort of rectify uh, the last game that they played against uh, the Liberty. And also, you know, unfortunately, the Commissioner's Cup is every year in in Vegas, so that would be a home game for uh, the Las Vegas Aces. (laughs) And so far this season, they've been unbeaten at home. Uh, So that's going to be a tough game for the Liberty. But I really hope... That both team play their best and that we have a tight game because so far we haven't had a tight game in the first two matchups of uh, of the season so that's going to be an exciting game probably the most exciting commissioner uh cup final that we've had i think it's only the the third editions of that cup um so i'm re- really looking forward to it but then what whatever the results you don't have to you know ponder too much about it because Two days later, they'll face each other again <laughs> on yeah. Thursday uh, in Vegas again for this time the regular season games. And um, even though I would say that probably this week, the commission's game is probably more important. I mean, we're only like 2.5 uh, games behind the Aces. Um, the Aces have faced a little bit more challenges, sort of, um, you know, those past couple of weeks. So, who knows? Like, if we beat them, you know, we're getting closer. There's still a long way to to catch them up in uh, regular seasons, but who knows? So, that's going to be an interesting game. But then, after, back-to-back against the Phoenix Mercury, and uh, that's not going to be an easy game either.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Phoenix at home—they're tough, and you know, with Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi. So I see that can get hard yeah, any any time, at any moment, any moment. <laughs> so yeah, at home, it's gonna be tough. It's not gonna be an easy road trip, but I I do feel hopeful for the Liberty because they have turned it on at a time where they needed to. Yeah, yeah and definitely. so they've turned it on. They know what they need to do. They're going to look at everything, and, you know, I definitely am confident that they can get some wins this week. Will they get three more wins? I would love that. Yeah, that would be I weird. would love them to go get their 7th, 8th, and ninth straight win. That would be awesome. But I think it's doable. I, You know, earlier in the season, I would have said, I don't know if they're going to get all these wins, but now it's doable. They just got to put their heads down. They got to grind. It's a grind this week. That's just yeah. what it is, and this is going to be a huge test for them. So, And I think they can come through it. I definitely, you know, they've stepped their game up, and they can take on any team now.
1: Yeah, so definitely looking forward to it, even though it kind of feels strange because we're not going to see uh, any home games for like two weeks at the Barclays. So obviously a lot of exciting games, but we'll, we'll watch them from afar. But definitely exciting times. Uh, when, before we uh, end this uh, podcast today uh, I, I, I couldn't help mentioning because that was an interesting debate uh, at halftime on ESPN at, at the halftime of the New York Liberty against uh, Indiana Fever game where you had you know two of the greatest players of the WNBA, t- uh, Teresa Witherspoon and Sherry Swoops uh, that were sort of discussing the, the MVP race because I feel like, you know uh, NBA fans and media always talk about the NBA, NBA MVP race almost every week, <laughs> yeah. and try to obviously you know get the debate going and more fans watching. Well, the WNBA is also where we have that debate, and they were pretty much uh mentioning three players uh as the sort of top candidates for that MVP race: Brianna Stewart, in no particular order, obviously. Brianna Stewart, Elisa Thomas uh, for the Connecticut Sun, and Asia Wilson for the Las Vegas Aces. And I guess my question for you, Felicia, is like, how do you define an MVP? Cause it's like that question is always kind of like, everybody seems to have a different answer. Like, so some media is like, well, if you led your team to the number one spot, then definitely you should be worth your MVP. Then some people will say, well, why? it's easy if you have the best team, obviously you're gonna perform. Uh, whereas if you have like a sort of average team and you carry them all throughout the season yeah. and you get to like a top spot, then you should be worthy of MMP. Like everybody has a different opinion. What's your take on the MVP, especially with those three players that I mentioned?
0: It's tough because, you know, well, I'll say this. For me, when I think about MVP, most valuable player, to me, I think of it this way. I think of the fact if a player is on the court, you know, and they're helping their team. And if they're not on the court, that your team is going down because you need that person on the court. And without them, your team's not winning. And so that's part of what I think about, you know, obviously you do have teams out there, again, with the candidates like the Las Vegas Aces for, you know, for Asia Wilson. They have a top team. Everybody on that team is, is wonderful and fantastic. And they have a phenomenal coach, you know, and Becky Hammond. And so it's tough because either player, is, they deserve MVP. Yeah. Either either one. You're not – I don't technically think you're going to go wrong with any decision. Personally, yes, I'm biased and I want Stewie <laughs> to win. Yes, I would want her to get it because I do think for the Liberty. If Stewie's not on the court, I feel like it's gonna get dicey yeah, <laughs> for yeah, the Liberty. Yeah, I definitely. do. You know, yes, Jonquil it has come up and she's she's been playing lights out as well, but it's been Stewie all season for them. So, you know, I think she's I think she's the candidate. But Alyssa Thomas, yeah, it when I see her stats. And just what she's done for Connecticut, she is that player that if she is not on the floor, Connecticut is not going to be where they are right now. Yeah, they're just yeah. not. They are going to struggle. And she is the general, the point guard. She she is everything yeah. for them on that court, getting triple doubles left and right. You know, this is a a player that had to change her shot. You yeah. know, she had a you know a bad shoulder injury and had to change things up and she's doing well with it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you weren't sure how, how it was going to go for her, but she's doing well. I mean, you just... I could see if you gave it to Alyssa Thomas, I wouldn't be mad at that either because truly, when I think about MVP, I could see her getting it, but also with Asia and Brianna Stewart, it's its going to be tough. It's going to be tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, like, people kind of get confused between MVP and pop- popularity contest. So, obviously, uh, Elisa Thomas is not maybe, like, the flashiest player, even though she has crazy passes. Like, I know, like, the games that she played against the Liberty and some of the games I watched from the Connecticut Sun, like, the way she, like, up the tempo, brings the ball. Like, she plays like a point guard, but she has, like... I mean, the way she's built, like, she's very strong, but, like, she handles the ball, like, you know, like, like a point guard. So, that's, like incredible to watch and she has those passes that are incredible so you know she's to me she's a spectacular player but obviously sort of like you know more quiet you know compared to obviously Breanna Stewart yeah. and Asia Wilson who are sort of like the 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 ambassadors of the WNBA like yeah. the players that the leagues you know kind of use more at the forefront to promote the game they obviously have their own brand as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our own, uh, you know, shoe line for, for Stewie. We see Asia in a lot of commercials. So, obviously, you know, that helps gain a lot of fans and support. Uh, but they obviously have the, the game to back it right. up. Whereas, you know, Alyssa Thomas is kind of more quiet. It's quieter. Sometimes people might say she's a bit dirty of uh, a dirty player at times. Uh, but she works so hard for a team. She plays a lot of minutes, like sometimes like forty minutes, uh, which you know it's it's not easy to do. And like you said, like you know, if it wasn't for Lisa Thomas, there's no way Connecticut would be third in the league, especially considering that they lost Brianna Jones. Um, but I gotta look at also Stewie and Asia. I mean, Stewie, like he also said. Once you once she's on the bench, you could tell the Liberty are I'm not the same team, mm-hmm. but they're starting now to learn how to play without her or to not be so dependent on her. So I would say that you know um, you know I think the Liberty can handle themselves without her, but I think what impresses me the most with with Stewie is how she could pretty much do everything, um, and also her leadership with with the Liberty like. You know she's a winner she wants to win and when she feels that her team is sort of like slacking a little bit or you know like needs her her to be vocal she she is vocal and i like what uh jj said after uh the indiana game when she was asked about stewie being uh you know mvp or potential mvp she says she's a leader in the locker room on our team uh they look for they look to her to talk to them and share her insights you see where uh, they started as a team and she never wavered. And she praised her for her professionalism, a belief, and she's definitely uh, the MVP of the season for John Cole and for the New York Liberty. So, you know, to be fair, you give it to Lisa Thomas, you can't go wrong. You give it to Stewie, you cannot go wrong. And as Liberty fans, obviously, would be really excited mm-hmm. if it happened. But if I have to be objective... At the very moment, I think I would give it to Asia Wilson because, you know, she's so dominant. I feel like, you know, I, it was interesting because Riverspoon said that she barely plays fourth quarter because, you know, they take care of business in three quarters. So <laughs> by the time much. they start the fourth, they're like up by 15, 20, 25. So you can rest uh, Asia. But she recently had a 40-point 40, uh, 40 game. Uh, forty points, ten rebounds, um, against the Washington Mystics, and I felt like, to be fair, if the, the Aces were giving the ball to Asia every single play, she would be able to score forty points very often. Uh, and they don't always do it because obviously they try to, you know, make everybody, you know, you know, get their game going and, and score. But Asia is very dominant. She's dominant also defensively, like the way she blocks shots, the way she mm-hmm. takes rebounds, and uh, yeah. If let's just say Candace Parker was not injured right now, and obviously Candace Parker is one of the one of the greatest players of the WNBA, and you know this year she had a foot injury. But if you had the lineup without Asia Wilson and had Candace Parker currently right now, they would be very good, obviously. But I don't think they would be as dominant. Uh, with our Asia. So it's you know, tough,
0: it's by tough. the way. It's tough. No but matter matter to
1: be I think what's gonna make a difference this time around is, is the standings. I think if like the Aces remain the number one team mm-hmm. in the league by the end of the regular season, I think they will they will definitely give it to um, Asia Wilson. If the Liberty managed to sort of catch up with the Aces and either still the first spot or are very close, who knows, we, we, we don't know, um, so, you know, pick your pick your poison, pick your, you know, your favorite player, I wouldn't bet on it, though, by the end of the season, I wouldn't put money, uh, uh, you know, to pick an MVP, because it, it's going to be a tie but I felt like it was, like, an interesting debate that they had on, on ESPN, and and it helps growing the game, you know, like talking about those great players. Um, but we know that whatever, you know, journalist and whoever votes decides, I think it would be the right mm-hmm. choice if it's one of those three uh, players.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's still Stewie for me, but, <laughs> um, you know, if you pick either, either one of those players... It's well deserved.
1: I think, like as a you know, as a pure basketball player, like basketball lover, I think like Stewie has probably the best overall game. Yeah. Like and in terms of what you know, the way she can shoot the ball and and does everything, you know. She, she does a bit of everything. She, like on the court. she as a, mm-hmm. she's the ultimate basketball player, um, but then you know, obviously. You could argue that Asia don't shoot freeze like Stewie, but she's the player with the most n ones n one plays because she's so dominant and she can finish. Uh, you know whatever whatever the defense uh, is in front of her or how much physical you try to be with her, she will she will score. Um, so you could argue that she's dominant. Um, so who knows? Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, uh, I guess I'll I'll stick to what you said, Stewie. Oh uh, we'll, man, we're Liberty fans. Yeah, you know we're, we're Liberty fans, but we gotta be objective as well. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so we'll I guess we'll see. Like the end of the regular season is around maybe September tenth, I think. Uh, so who knows? There's about ten games left. A lot of things can happen. Um, but it's exciting to see. Uh, you know who could be an MVP? That's just. You know, brings more excitement to the league, and and we'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening to uh, our podcast. We cannot wait, uh, you know, to uh, you know next week's podcast to uh, sort of recap uh, what would have happened uh, this week, especially against the the Aces. But thank you so much for your support, and as we always say, Felicia, let's,
0: let's go Liberty. Liberty.